I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And this week at World Cricket Show Towers, we've got some management shadowing going on. A fresh-faced young lad by the name of Tony Kerr is sitting in to observe what I do here. Just going to get involved as well, I think. Well, I'd appreciate it if you do didn't... want to sit in. I'd appreciate it if you didn't say too much, to be honest, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to run a podcast here, but uh, feel free to... Uh, to chip in occasionally, but if you just put your hand up first, yeah. that would be great. I'll probably just potter about on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, having a look at BuzzFeed. Yeah, I've not really got... A... Having a look at HuffPost. I don't know why people don't spend their time reading better things on the internet. Yeah. I don't know, I haven't, really, I haven't really got onto BuzzFeed in a big way. Well, I can give you 13 reasons why you should yeah, be well, I bet reading you could. BuzzFeed. I bet you could. How's it going, mate? Yeah, it's good. It's Sunday afternoon. And it's Different. absolutely beautiful out yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> like curtains drawn. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's literally dark in this building apart from in this studio. It's a pretty miserable end to the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had a good weekend? Yeah, man? very good, very You've good. been in London, haven't yeah, you? popped across to London. I had much sleep, eaten quite a lot, drunk quite a lot. So, yeah, I went to Five Guys last night, burger chain, twice, quite, quite full still. How did you end up going twice? Well, I just went once and then went to the pub and then went back. <laughs> just got peckish again. Just seemed like another, a good just idea to go again. again. But I, I didn't really, like, I don't know, because we went to Five Guys when we went to America a few weeks ago, or a few months ago. Yeah, six months six ago, months yeah. Ago. <laughs> Sorry, a few uh, weeks ago. But I, the menu here in London, on the left, it's hamburger, cheeseburger, bacon, cheeseburger, etc. That's like the first thing you read as you read left to right, you know, as we tend to do. And that's two burgers. And then, but the next item is little hamburger, which is just one patty. Well, it's quite a strange way to do it. What, the, was, that, was that how it was when we were in America? Is the first menu, is that double? Yeah, like, well? double. It's like double is stock. Yeah, I, I wouldn't assume that double would be standard for a burger, would you? Mental, mate. Is the, <laughs> so did you have two double hamburgers yeah. last night? Yeah. Wow. I mean, they're only very small patties. But, yeah, did have copious amounts of toppings. Mm. Cajun style fries. I feel like you could have wiped some of the grease off your face between last night yeah. and now, to be honest, because it's a little bit distracting. Anyway, so yeah, I slept on uh, slept on a friend's sofa, got woken up by the sun this morning. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely shattered. But yeah, but you had a good one. Great. <laughs> so you're in a, a real fired up mood for tonight's podcast. I'm pumped. You're Didn't you go see Haim? Mm. The band Haim. Haim. Do you even like Haim? Yeah. I didn't realise you liked Haim. Well, I think I, I was listening to Haim long before. <laughs> Here we go. Long before you'd even heard of them. Uh, no, yeah, no, they're really good. Yeah, they were, they killed it. The story I heard from uh, London correspondent Gordon McRae, who was there with you, uh, is that you went off and claimed to have been hanging out with Florence from Florence and the Machine. Well, yeah, well, yeah, no, my friend, uh, uh, friend that I went with, got got us on the Gezi. 
so what? The Gezi. The what? Guest list. Right. So uh, yeah, so we did we did go to the VIP bar and the what? <laughs> the VIP bar. Right. Uh, no, we just we just hung out backstage <laughs> for a bit with Florence. What's her name? Welch. Welsh. Ten minutes of handing, hanging out with celebrities, and you come back all like, yeah, yeah. I was just on the Gezi, just trying to pitch it like you, you know, like you were actually hanging out with Florence. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I wasn't. No, yeah, we were just yeah me and Florence just stayed at the back all night. Oh, there's this one. There was one. This, the funniest thing Florence did. Uh, I cracked a joke. She laughed so hard her drink came out of her nose. <laughs> Funny <laughs> enough, she did actually not well, pretty much knock my pint out of my hand. And there was also the guy from Primal Scream was there. I can't. I don't know what his name is. Were you angry with her when she knocked? Your drink out of your hand because uh, you don't take kindly to that no, when no. I do it, for example. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a, a great moment in Soho walking along, and uh, Robert Webb of Peep Show fame walks out of uh, a shop, a tailor, I think. This guy spots him, and this guy is like probably middle aged, really immaculately dressed, like fantastic suit, immaculate, like moustache. Yeah, <laughs> he spots Robert Webb and he goes. He says, sorry, couldn't just bother you for a quick Snapchat, could I? <laughs> Brilliant. Was that man you? Yeah, so. it was me, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I did no, get no. a Snapchat of Robert Webb <laughs> from you. But Robert Webb was just like, yeah, by all means. So I, I, I'm, I, we think, I think we should set up, you know, what we're like at World Creek Show. We are ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. We're technologically minded. Uh, you know, we've just got a website. Uh, but we should get a Snapchat. No, no, hold on. We're in the process of getting a website. Yeah, what I'm going to suggest is that we set up a Snapchat account, World Creek Show Snapchat account, which people can Snapchat cricketers into us. <laughs> That's quite a good idea. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've had a weekend of just hanging out with your showbiz chums. Yeah. Tone, Robert Webb, Florence and the Machine. Uh, I've just been back here in Guernsey, patiently awaiting your return. Uh, but it's been a beautiful weekend. I'd forgotten what sunshine felt like. You look around and everyone's just kind of shaking the winter out of their limbs. Although apparently the forecast says we might have snow next weekend, so I'm not sure we should uh, get too carried away. We should really be in the Caribbean. That's what we should be doing. I know. I know. When you see it on the TV, these ODIs in Antigua, why are we not there? There's a number of reasons why we're not there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Money, holiday from work. It's pretty annoying, actually. <laughs> what grown-up life. Yeah. It is really pretty irritating. annoying, yeah. It is pretty annoying. Really picks. Yeah, you've got responsibilities like podcasts to attend to, so you can't just... <laughs> Couldn't get the leave. ...drop everything and go. Couldn't I get can't leave. leave both, yeah, that's the trouble. We, both of us can't go away at the same time. <laughs> it's really annoying. Someone's got to be running the Twitter <laughs> account, and when we've got our Snapchat account as well, yeah. someone's got to be running it all. A full-time job. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of the podcast that we're doing currently, uh, what's coming up on the show today, Tone? Uh, I'm not sure you even know, because you've been away, so you weren't at the meeting where we... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, missed the production meeting. ...where we discussed the agenda. But apparently we're going to be discussing the thrilling denouement uh, to the series between South Africa and Australia in Cape Town. It was a cracking game. And the other big story to come out of that game uh, was that Graham Smith has retired. So that's big news. Also, England have been playing a pointless one-day series in the Caribbean, which is less big news. Uh, but we're going to talk about it anyway. So there's a packed schedule tonight so we really ought to get on with it i guess but just before we get going people may well have seen this on facebook and on twitter because i posted about it the other day we mentioned this last week but i have now set up the world cricket show fantasy mini league for the world t20 if you go to the official game which is cricketicc.fantasyleague.com catchy i know yeah uh register your team it's free to sign up and then join our league 
using the pin 38929. I've set up my team tone. You've been threatening to set up your team for the last week, but you haven't done it yet. Well, no, I started to set it up. Uh, yeah, I started to set it up on Thursday, but then I had to dash off uh, on the plane. So yeah, I didn't. There wasn't really much time over the weekend to, to <laughs> just, <laughs> just invite some friends out for dinner just to catch up and kind of pour over the Nepal, uh, kind of Nepal's results from the last couple of years. Wondering whether you're going to select Paris Kadka or not. <laughs> yeah. Just on the 3G at five, guys. Yeah, just burning through money. <laughs> Using your data. Um, no, I'm going to do it tonight, mate. I'm going to do it tonight. And you better. What I'll do is I'll take a screen grab of it. That'll be the winning team, obviously. I'll post it to other people <laughs> if, they, you know, if they want a piece of the, piece of the action. It's a little bit uh, odd, this one, compared to previous tournaments, because, yeah, as we said last week, there's that kind of pr- like pre-tournament qualifying tournament that counts as part of the tournament if I can say tournament anymore. <laughs> so yeah, the first week of it is just Bangladesh, Zimbabwe, Ireland, etc. No big teams. So if you want to win the overall thing, you've really got to think about it's also, your associate sides. You know, you know I, I'm looking forward to, to the, the tournament. I'm looking forward to this fantasy game, but it is going to be like taking a second, uh, you know, part-time job because <laughs> I don't know if you read the rules but there's like there's unlimited transfers all through the pre so you have to make like six transfers a day yeah which is crazy so you can have two you can have three players for any one team can't you in your side uh, and is it what, is there one match per day uh, t- uh, two two matches a day bloody hell that's another reason why we can't go off to the Caribbean team because we've got so we'd miss this we've got responsibilities to our fantasy league job I hope that doesn't put anyone off though signing up if they think oh, I can't be bothered to pour over the stats of the Hong Kong cricket team what we might do because there'll be a, a table there'll be an overall standings won't there but there'll also be standings for the other phases so for the, the Super 10 phase and the knockout phase I think we might have a prize for each phase and maybe like a double prize for the overall winner I like that idea I mean that'll involve us getting together several prizes, prizes. But, but I think I think we should do that uh, yeah no that's a good shout yeah because like so, there's just going to be it'll be hardcore that does it from the start. But people are signing up though. It's <laughs> it's it's gone mad on the internet. You may have noticed the uh, the internet slowing down this week uh, when you were trying to load your BuzzFeed articles. That's why people have been signing up so quickly. I'm keen. I'm, I'm going to win it because I think I won it last time. Didn't you, I? you didn't. You definitely didn't win it last no, time. I think that. I think I did win it. No, you didn't. Well, I kind of came close. No, you didn't. So, no, I was leading you for quite a long chunk of it. Then I went away. Uh, so I, like, I wasn't, you know. I won. The first one of these we did was the 50 over World Cup in 2011. And I won that. And then since then, we've done a World 2020 and we've done a Champions Trophy. And neither of us won either of those. But I finished above you both times. Only, only by virtue of me going away. But I'm not going away this time. So <laughs> Only by virtue of collecting more points <laughs> over the course of the tournament. Around the world... This is the part of the show where we talk about everything that's been happening around the world. Let's cross down one final time, Tony, to South Africa, uh, where the series between the home side and Australia reached an explosive conclusion in Cape Town this week. Uh, In what turned out to be Graham Smith's final ever test match, Australia spoiled his party and won the game to inflict South Africa's first test series defeat for five years. Australia batted first... And they posted a big, big first-inning score. Eventually declaring on 494 for seven, Dave Warner hit a rapid-fire 135. And then Michael Clark, after a long period out of form, responded with one of the defining innings of his career. 1-6-1, not out. Extraordinary century. 
Uh, JP Dumini took four wickets, but otherwise not much for the South African bowlers to write home about. And Dale Steyn got injured. South Africa were then dismissed for just 287, so conceding a massive first innings deficit. Mitchell Johnson took four for 42. Uh, Australia then in a familiar position this winter of uh, taking a big first innings lead into the third innings. And as has happened all winter, David Warner scored a century, his second hundred of the game. They declared on 303 for five. That set South Africa an impossible target of 511. They were in desperate trouble at 15 for three with Mitchell Johnson dismissing Graham Smith yet again in his final test innings for just three runs. Um, it looked like South Africa were going to fold and the game would be all over, but they, they had a real good go at saving it on the final day. With just five overs to go, they still had two wickets in the shed. Dale Stain batting for 44 deliveries for just one run. Uh, Vernon Philander still there, 51 not out from 105 balls. Uh, but Ryan Harris returned to the attack right at the death to pick up the final two wickets in the space of three balls, Stain and Morney Morkel clean bold. And South Africa were eventually all out for 265 to spark astonishing scenes as Australia <laughs> celebrated. And they won the game by 245 runs and the series 2-1. So that was an extraordinary finale, Tone. We asked for a denouement, and boy, did we ever get a denouement. This really was the denouement to end all denouements. Uh, it was a thrilling denouement to the denouement, wasn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. Within the denouement that was the game, an unbelievable denouement at the end. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, South Africa batting for 134 and a half overs in the fourth innings of the game. That was the longest innings of the match, actually. So they certainly had a, a real go at saving it. A.B. de Villiers batted 228 balls for his 43. Uh, and it really was a, a top effort from the, the whole side, uh, apart from the, the first three batsmen who were out very cheaply. Uh, but Australia plugged away uh, and plugged away. And eventually they did get over the line with, yeah, as I say, four and a half overs to go. I don't know about you, but for me, this is test cricket at its absolute best. I mean, over the last sort of decade, we've had quite a few nine-wicket draws, haven't we? Old Trafford in 2005, Cardiff 2009, Centurion 2009, Cape Town 2009, Auckland 2013. It looked like this was going to be another one. I had real visions of Mornay Morkel uh, batting out the last delivery. Uh, but yeah, that, that was probably unlikely given that Morkel can't bat. Uh, so the moment that Stain got out, you know, that really seemed like it was it was going to be the end. And indeed it was Australia finishing the job. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really get any better than that final afternoon, does it? In, in terms of test cricket, in terms of tension, in terms of no, excitement. And those those kind of those conclusions and those match situations don't come around all too often, do they? So when they do, yeah, it was it was brilliant to watch. You know, definitely the highlight of the this kind of winter of cricket. One of the best test matches for quite a long time, actually. And it was unbelievably exciting. I had Wednesday afternoon off work, and I had you know I had real visions of getting a lot of stuff done, a lot of stuff that I needed to do. Uh, but it turned out to be a very unproductive afternoon as I just kind of sat there and, and watched the cricket. And it's quite a funny thing because it'd be basically impossible to explain to anyone who doesn't understand cricket or doesn't like cricket why that's so gripping. As you know, Shane Watson trundles in and Dale Stane just bats it back. And I'm like, <laughs> ooh. <Yeah. laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, on one level, it's pretty dull. Uh, but that is the beauty of cricket, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, particularly flicking across to the England, uh, the England ODI that was going on, you know, in another country and on another channel. Yeah, I mean, the the, the contrast is pretty stark, wasn't it? I did tweet this, but it's true. You know, 
there's no doubt that test cricket is the best form of cricket. And frankly, if you don't agree, you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, compared to the, the ODI that was going on at the same time, it was just, you know, it's just on another planet, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is one of those things that when you get matches like this, that people are very quick, including you, uh, to say that, which to a certain extent, well, I completely agree with in a sense, uh, because that, you know, that is the most exciting, that's the most kind of gripping kind of episode of cricket, you know, in, in, in the last few months this year. Uh, but it's a kind of, it is a bit defensive, perhaps, and a bit kind of reactionary in, in a sense that... You know, to, for the most part, there's a lot of test cricket that goes past without much incident. Well, of course. And, yeah, that's special in its own way. But yeah, no, yeah, so I don't know. You are, of course, right that <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of rubbish test matches. But I think something that people don't always appreciate is that there's, there are also a lot of extremely boring ODIs and mm. T20s. And yeah, these ODIs in the Caribbean have just been desperately dull for the most part. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's boring test matches. But when test cricket is at its best, it's a lot better than when T20 or ODI cricket is at its best. Um, yeah, it's just the the kind of the build-up of, of narrative, isn't it, over, over the course of a test match. Just makes everything so much more exciting. The fact, you know, it is the thing that people who don't like cricket or don't understand cricket find so baffling about it is that you can have a game that goes on for five days. But that is what makes it so brilliant because after five days of, of struggle, of conflict between South Africa and Australia, and indeed after three test matches after you know two previous five-day encounters it all comes down to this whether Philander and Stain can bat out these final few overs the fact that you've got all of that behind you just makes it so much more tense so much more exciting than if you've just got sort of 35 overs or, or 40 overs of a, a t20 game behind you and yeah it was just brilliant and, and when Australia got over the line they were loving it they were absolutely loving it and I, I was I was very pleased I got to say that it was Ryan Harris that got the final two wickets um, because over the the past eight months, he has been an absolute colossus for Australia. I mean, Mitchell Johnson takes the headlines, and deservedly so. But Harris has been almost as important, I would say. Not as devastating, perhaps, but he is a world-class cricketer. And in the last 12 matches that Australia have played, Harris has played all of them, which for a start is quite a remarkable thing, given his injury record. No one expected him to play three consecutive matches, let alone 12. And in those 12 matches, he's taken 56 wickets at an average of 21. That ball to dismiss A.B. de Villiers in the fourth innings of the game was pretty close to unplayable. Um, you know, if de Villiers wasn't as good as de Villiers, he probably wouldn't have got a bat on it. There's not many players in world cricket who would have been good enough to edge it. Um, and it was such an important moment in the game because at that point it was just beginning to feel like de Villiers and, and de Plessis were going to save the game for South Africa anyway. And that's what he's been doing all through these 12 matches, is just stepping up at important moments and taking crucial wickets and he seems like an absolutely top bloke as well I, I don't know if you agree in, in interviews he just comes across so well one of my very favorite cricketers I think which I'd never thought I'd say about an Aussie but yeah well yeah actually it's quite strange because we've said it before in the last few weeks that actually I, I personally find this Australian side quite likable but I, speaking to other people who like cricket everyone <laughs> hates them yeah. absolutely hates them well Guernsey cricket captain Jamie Nussbaumer yeah. said that he thinks this is the it's, it's the cricket team that he's he likes least Ever, no, I, I find it quite amazing because it's, it's actually, you know, comparatively with Australian sides of the past, I don't know, they've been much more hateful, hateful characters <laughs> kind of trotted through. Yeah, that's probably true. I guess there's maybe a feeling it's taken a while for me to get over 
the idea that Steve Smith and Dave Warner just aren't very good. So when <laughs> when they have been scoring hundreds, it sort of feels like a bit of a cheat because yeah, yeah. you don't think they they deserve to. But you've got to hold your hands up and say, actually, you know what? These are test class batsmen uh, and possibly even world class batsmen. Warner's just been phenomenal over the last the, eight games. The winter he's had is astonishing. Five hundreds he's hit in these eight matches. It's unbelievable. If Alistair Cook did that, we. You know, we'd be dropping our bundle, wouldn't we? Yeah, and I mean, and yeah, you know, five hundreds that Alistair could, could, you know, wouldn't couldn't score. Uh, well, yeah, not in that just way. Just such pace and, and aggression, taking the game away from the opposition. Yeah, so no, I think it was a deserved series win for for the Aussies. You know, you look at the, the matchups, and and Johnson did out bowl Stain. Stain didn't have the say in the series that perhaps he, he has done in series past. Uh, the whole bowling unit for Australia was excellent as you say Harris on that last day was was absolutely terrific uh, and then they, they they got runs when they needed them they do they they seem to have followed a formula in almost They've, all yeah. of their uh, seven victories in the last eight games have been very very similar of batting first getting runs on the board blowing the opposition away and getting a, a big first innings lead and then Dave Warner scoring 100 and uh, setting up an impossible fourth innings target is certainly one very effective way to play test cricket yeah, I, can, I mean, in a way, I can see why people don't like them, why they're not a very popular team amongst neutrals, because it's it's an uncompromising brand of cricket that they play, and and the, you know people like Dave Warner, Michael Clark as well, getting involved in the sledging and stuff. They often it often seems like there often seems to be a bit of uh, a bit of edge to the way they a bit of mongrel to the the way they conduct themselves on the field. But maybe that's what they've had to do to transform themselves from this team that was a bit. Well, they, um, they, well, a when bit they outclassed against India and against England last summer. Yeah, when they turned up in England last year, they were rubbish. They were, you know, they, they were a rabble. They weren't very good. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you know, you'd have to say huge credit goes to the backroom staff, Darren Buff, Lehman, Buff, yeah, uh, and Michael Clark. But yeah, I don't know. I, I find it hard not to 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 like the likes of Mitchell Johnson now. Uh, so yeah, fair fair play. I mean. Clearly, it's not going to last. So <laughs> that's, that's something to hold on to from an English, England fan's perspective. Um, reading Ian Chappell's piece before, saying that Australia are close to yeah close to becoming a powerhouse, which it, uh, seems a bit far fetched. I don't know. This it's a team that is burning very brightly, uh, but will burn out quite quickly. You'd think, uh, particularly when you look at the way Ryan Harris kind of carried himself after the match. You know, he's pretty much spent. Well, there's, there are some suggestions that Harris will not play another test match um, because he's got to go and have, it, it seems, pretty major surgery now. And, you know, he's, what, 34? And whether he can come back from that... Yeah, a lot of bowlers don't come back from, from those It is kind of doubtful. Things. And it's a hell of a way to bow out if that is the, the end of his career. And it would be a tragedy, really, if it was. But it's not impossible that that will be the case. I mean, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago in sort of assessing their Ashes performance. As much as this is what looks like a fantastic team now, it's not a young team at all. You know, you go down uh, the eleven, and there are a lot of guys in there who are over thirty, and you know, people like Haddon and Rogers and Harris, who are well over thirty. And so, this team is probably not going to be together for more than a year or so. So, to sort of talk about them as establishing the, themselves as the dominant team of the year or setting up some kind of legacy. Uh, which is a, a word that's often bandied about, seems unlikely, doesn't it? It is easy to get carried away. I mean, it's a little bit of a difficult thing because you say, well, how can they not be the best test team in the world now because they've gone 
to the backyard of of the number one team in the world and beaten them and in the end beaten them pretty convincingly as much as it you know almost didn't happen but it's not boxing is it it's not the case that if you just have one win over the number one side that you become the number one side i mean pakistan whitewashed england in the uae a couple of years ago when they were number one but that didn't make pakistan number one i think, no, I think yeah, exactly i think they are the best they're the best team in world cricket at the moment if you know if you if australia played you got the feeling obviously not today because they'll be pretty knackered but if they played a test match against any side in the world now you'd back you'd probably say australia were favorites well i think that's true in certain conditions oh I yeah mean, well yeah. that's the thing because south africa are number one because over the last five plus years they've gone everywhere around the world and you know got results and often victories whereas yes australia have have blown england away and they've beaten south africa handsomely they've won seven out of eight tests but all of those seven tests have been on very lively pitches and the one that wasn't on a lively pitch they lost and they lost by quite a big margin and you know when they were beaten so well in england last year and when they were beaten in in india those were those were on slow dry pitches so you've got to ask the question whether whether they are able to do it on other surfaces and maybe the answer is yes but we haven't seen it yet so they've they've got to yeah. now over the next couple of years go all around the world and you know establish some kind of consistency clearly the test rankings are based on an extended period of time so you know the, the number one side it's not necessarily the best team you know not the most informed side is it uh, at all times but you'd say you know you'd say that having gone to south africa if south africa had won you know they could have prepared the pitches they wanted you know as as, as the home side should be very comfortable with their conditions and they, they should have well you know they should have backed themselves uh, and Australia came in and, and kind of outperformed them on almost every kind of aspect of the game. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's an unbelievably big achievement that Australia have, have pulled off here. And clearly they have become a very good test side. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, you've got to ask the question whether they would be doing it, whether whether they would be doing this on different kinds of surfaces. And, you know, I wouldn't say this about the England team now after the winter that they've just had, but before the start of that Ashes whitewash, if England and Australia had been playing each other in, say, India, I think England would have won. And even now, if South Africa and Australia played each other in India, I think South Africa would win. That obviously will never happen, but do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I think in certain conditions, you know, that play into the hands of the likes of Johnson and Warner, they're a formidable team. But whether they can do it on the subcontinent, no, whether they can the do it in England next year... You know that's the next challenge, and maybe they can, but you know we haven't seen it yet. No, that is the next test, and yeah, we said uh, at the end of this the England series, you know, it's going to be now. It's really interesting now to see what they're going to do in South Africa, and and you know they've done it. So yeah, yeah, they can't do any more than what they've no. done now. Um, and the, you know, the but way, just, but I would just hesitate to call them the best test team in the world because you know we've got to we've got to see them in other conditions. Their next assignment is a tour of the UAE. If they go and get a result there, if they win there. Then maybe we can start to talk about it, but yeah, but not yet. You just get the feeling the way they're playing and the way the, the teams set up. Uh, you know, they're, they're just bullying sides kind of off the park. So, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel like they'd, they'd be able to get themselves up for it, muscle their way through. Well, it's going to be. F- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market fascinating to see but they will certainly enjoy this success and they deserve to because yeah no one's beaten South Africa for five years and in fact that that team that beat them five years ago was Australia so no one else has beaten them for a even longer time than that I mean it, it's slightly misleading that just because yes South Africa haven't lost the test series for five years but they have had some disappointing results in that time they drew at home to England for example they drew at home to Australia a couple of years ago which aren't great results for them um, but yeah, they, certainly in the last two or three years, they've had nothing but good series results. So it's a big achievement. There's no doubt about that. That finale, to a certain extent, uh, overshadowed the fact that it was Graham Smith's final test match. Halfway through the game, he announced that he was going to retire. So yeah, another heavyweight departs the scene. Time. We've, we've yeah. had a lot of these uh, departures this winter. And another Tendulkar, Callis, one. Well, you know, the Aussies have kind of claimed a couple of victims, haven't they, on this tour? They've had a pretty brutal winter around. Do you, th- do you think that's what it is, though? I mean... Well, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, and it's another kind of way to look at this Australian success as well, is that they've slightly, you know, they've, they've kind of could perhaps be seen to have struck upon England and South Africa at a good time when big players, big characters and, and kind of great players pretty much on the, well, as has been proved, on the cusp of, of departing. Uh, for form or otherwise, so yeah, I don't know that you know that's maybe something to, to, against the the claim that the Aussie side are very good. Yeah, but, it was it was the first series South Africa were playing without Callis, and you know they may as well have been playing it without Smith. They would have probably been better off with <laughs> someone else there, given he made virtually no runs. But yeah, it's it's going to be a huge loss for South Africa. I mean, he's had an extraordinary career, really. It's it's one of the more extraordinary cricketing careers, given that he played virtually all of it. As captain of South Africa, he was he was made captain at the age of 22, very shortly after his debut. At that time, it was a, a team full of very experienced players like Gibbs and Kirsten and Pollock and Boucher, and he was asked to lead them, uh, which I'm not sure that many people at the age of 22 would be up to a, a challenge like that. I mean, certainly at the age of 22, I was an idiot. <laughs> you were an idiot. Why? Why? Well, I'd already captained. Uh, <laughs> I'd already captained, you know, school teams to to kind of glorious. Captain G, and that was a pretty tough. Yeah, there's a lot of egos in that team. Yeah, uh, that you had to manage. Difficult to balance. Uh, so yeah, maybe you'd have been up to that challenge, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't have been. I don't think. And a lot of people in South Africa and everywhere else, I think, were waiting for him to fail, but he didn't. He has presided over a fantastic era for South African cricket, turned them into the best side in the world. And he's actually been a pretty central figure in this era of cricket, I would say. I mean, when people look back at the history books and they think about the kind of big players of this era, 
he is going to be right up there, I think. What was your reaction to the news of his retirement tone? Shock, surprise, sadness, anger, irritation, yeah, mixed with joy, ways, I guess. fear, ecstasy, confusion, nausea, nausea, yeah, uh, yeah, disbelief. Now, you know, these don't things don't really surprise you. Know, surprise isn't the right word, is Denial. it? Denial. It's like our friend who, whenever a kind of major, uh, you know, kind of well, not major, but whenever like a you know, famous personal celebrity dies. He always says, oh, that's the last thing I expected. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, clearly he had to retire at some point. Uh, so. It's better than our other friend. <laughs> yeah, a major figure died and they, we were on the beach or something at that time. And he just came running over and went, guess who's died? <laughs> it's just like, it's, yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, South, you know, South Africa now, it's, it's a bit, as you say, the fact that he's been leading the team for so long and he, he's just such a big character isn't he? in almost every sense he's a big man kind of quite yeah. quite, intim- like, quite intimidating batsman to face I'd imagine or to, to bowl against uh, scored big hundreds all the time apart from recently big presence big presence yeah big hole big hole in the team to fill so yeah it's I guess for South Africa yeah it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a life changer isn't it's it it's a seismic moment isn't it I like my seismic events and and this is one of them i guess the person happiest about this news uh, will probably be alistair cook given that smith has sort of claimed the careers of the last three england captains hussein vaughan and strauss all retired after uh defeats against south africa so you know cook will be breathing a big sigh of relief i imagine cook can sleep easy i mean i'd argue that that might be a, a an overly simplistic interpretation of what happened to those previous three England captains I think you know those, that South Africa tour happened to coincide with the end of, of a natural cycle of uh, England captains I mean if say uh, the the Strauss the tour in 2012 when Strauss retired if South Africa had been scheduled to come two years previously and they'd beaten England like that Strauss wouldn't have retired wouldn't have resigned wouldn't have retired it it just so happens that it you know it came at the same time uh, but that is the narrative, you know, the, that a lot of people uh, buy that's, into. That's the narrative I'd be claiming if I was Graham Smith. As well, well. I'm, I'm sure he does. Yeah. I'm sure he's got, you know, a Photoshop picture, like on his desktop background, of just three England captains' heads on spikes. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. But then we'll I have that background. Will <laughs> we'll, uh, Will Mitchell Johnson perhaps have a, his desktop background of Graham Smith's head on a spike? Cricketers' now. heads all over. Is that what's happened? Uh, you know. Has Smith been bullied out of the team, or, or is it just the case that this was always going to be um, the end of the line for him? Yeah, I mean, you, you feel like he could have gone on. I mean, you know, he's, it's not that he's old. Not that he's thirty-three. Old, yeah, but he has played a lot of cricket. Well, know. that's the thing. He's been captain of a Test team for eleven years. Uh, There's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot fairly of... long time, and he's he's captained the most Tests of anybody ever for any country. Um, so he may just feel he's he's had enough of it now. He doesn't have anything left to prove. No. He's got a young family. Um, so, yeah, for me, you know, on that list of emotions that I gave you before, I wouldn't say I'm shocked, but maybe a little bit surprised. You know, in retrospect, it's like, okay, that makes sense. But I, I wasn't... It was, the la- it. it was the last thing I was expecting, Tony. <laughs> it really was the last thing I was expecting. Um, I mean, cap to the side, as, as a batsman, pretty formidable. Pretty formidable record. Well, if I could just give you a stat attack, Tony. Uh, give you some Graham Smith stats. Some of these are pretty extraordinary, actually. He hit 27 test centuries, uh, which puts him pretty high up on the all-time list, actually. Uh, And none of those 27 were in a losing cause, which is a remarkable record. 17 of them came away from home. 
And he scored his runs away from home at an average of 55, which is one of the best of any batsman in history. In fourth innings run chases, he made 1,141 runs at an average of 87 with four centuries, which puts him by a country mile the best ever batsman in a fourth innings chase. You know, you compare him with someone like Sachin Tendulkar, who was often, you know, was often questioned about his record in fourth innings run chases. If that's the mark of a great player, then, then Smith is the best ever. Uh, and he did play some of the great test innings of the 21st century. You know, as England fans, I guess we focus on the ones against England, but you know, maybe those were his defining moments. Back-to-back double hundreds uh, in 2003, his first te- uh, series as test captain uh, at the age of 22. As we say, pretty much ended Nasser Hussain's captaincy career. Uh, and maybe the defining innings of his career was that 154 not out at Edgbaston in 2008, which led his side to a test win and a series win, their first series win in England post-apartheid. And that was a remarkable innings because of the context of the match and the series and the fact that the bowling that day was extraordinary. I mean, Monty Panazar was spinning it out of the rough and Andrew Flintoff was on fire. He was much too good for Jacques Callis. Uh, Callis was all at sea and eventually uh, was rooted out by a Yorker. But Smith stood firm and, uh, and got his side home. Uh, that was, you know, as I say, one of the, the real uh, great innings of the last 15, 20 years. Of the post-Atherton era, you might yeah. say. Yeah, <clears throat> phenomenal performances. And, it, you know, as an England fan, uh, you know, he right free from the word go, uh, in terms of his career against England, he did come and just score a lot of runs against us. He scored 700s against England, which is quite a lot, you have to say. Um, I will miss him, I think. You know, we're, A lot of people, a lot of England fans really did not like him. And I would probably include myself in that, you know, in 2003. Because he was pretty brash. He was, you know, seen as pretty arrogant and with some justification. But then, you know, I, I think he had to be because of the task that he'd been set made captain at such a young age after the the disaster of the the 2003 World Cup. And it is remarkable that in all of that time, 11 years as captain, which is, as I say, such a long time. I mean, empires have risen and fallen in the time that Graham Smith has been captain of South Africa. And in all of that time, there really hasn't been any serious challenge to his authority, which is crazy given that he was, you know, 22, 23, 24, 25. Mm. You'd think that the more senior guys in the team might have at some point thought that they could have done a better job uh, and yeah over the years I'd say he has kind of transformed himself from probably one of my least favourite cricketers into one of my favourite cricketers grudging respect eventually turned into just respect uh, and where does he go down for you in, in the all time list you know is he one of the, the great batsmen of this era uh, or is the fact that perhaps his 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 nature aesthetically uh, wasn't the best, you know, he was a bit of an ugly batsman to watch. Does that count yeah, against him? Yeah, probably does, doesn't it? Because people don't talk about him in in the same breath as as, as some of the others. Lara, uh, well, Lara Tendulkar, etc. Uh, so he, he won't probably will he? But he's got a, a different place for the reasons you've talked about the captaincy. Yeah, I think you kind of you can look at those players kind of differently from just an out and out batsman who who perhaps don't need the the hassle of. Of being the captain, I know Lara obviously was had more hassle than most yeah. in his career, and still went and did it. But uh, yeah, that's probably what, you know one of the reasons why kind of Amla gets so much praise as a batsman is because you know comparatively with the guys who've been phenomenally successful for South Africa with the bat in the last kind of 10, 15 years, you know not many of them that good to watch. 
yeah, yeah Callis, Callis also he's got yeah, yeah as we talked about recently yeah, he's got bags of runs but not not particularly prettily I mean should that matter I think the answer to that is probably yes actually because you know cricket is about uh, entertainment and um, you know, batting is about beauty as well but I think it can matter too much to some people actually and you know when we talked about Callis again you know his average is test average was 55 which is substantially better than when people other t- people like Tendulkar and Lara best is yeah best is quite a hard word to define isn't it because clearly Smith was very successful but the skills and the qualities uh, that perhaps you, you use when you don't have as much talent as someone else so you know clearly Smith wasn't the most talented batsman uh, and it's more about concentration and digging in and just and, and knowing your limitations that's what people yeah, always say isn't it could just brooting it around uh yeah the, you know definitely it is important if you're talking about the best batsman he, he's not there yeah so perhaps well i mean a south africa fan might might disagree just because of you know his his record in terms of winning matches for south africa with the bat is unbelievable he did have long stretches of of no form throughout his career but as i say in fourth innings run chases just an astonishing record. But maybe what we've got to say is not a great batsman, but a great cricketer, I think. A, a great captain. Give it, he's been captain for more than half of the time that South Africa have been back in, te- uh, in test cricket, in international cricket. Um, there's you know kids in South Africa, 13, 14, 15, who I'm sure don't remember a South African team that didn't have Graham Smith as captain. He has been, you know, you know he's bestrode the stage, hasn't he? Uh, <laughs> It has been the Smith era, and he's going to be difficult to replace. It looks like it's going to be A.B. de Villiers. I mean, you'd imagine that's who it'll be, given that he's been uh, limited overs captain for quite some time. Um, I'm sure he'll do a decent job, but whether he's got the presence that Smith had on the field remains to be seen. But then who does, I guess? No one. Will you miss him, Tone? Will I miss him? Have you been lying awake at night, worrying (laughs) about what life's going to be like without Graham Smith? Uh... I guess I miss him slightly. Can't say I'll think about it too much. It was the last thing you were expecting, though, wasn't it? It was, it was low down on the list, I think, yeah. England. This is the part of the show where we talk about England. Let's leave South Africa and head off to the Caribbean. That would be good, wouldn't it, Tone? Me and you in the Caribbean. It would be really quite nice. Just on uh, sun lounges. Just not really watching the cricket. <laughs> exactly. Just yeah, just a, yeah. Someone Swimming. bringing me a rum punch. Just getting text updates of the score. Snorkeling. That kind of the interval. Someone just Snapchatting the uh, Crick Info live scorecard. Uh, because, yeah, England have been playing a one-day series in Antigua. And they won it. They won 2-1. They lost the first game by 15 runs. It was very disappointing, actually, given that uh, they had West Indies at 45 for 4 at one point and then 1-5-3 for 5. But they let them get up to 2-6-9 for 6. Uh, Dwayne Bravo and... Particularly Darren Sammy going mad at the end. Sammy got 61 off 36. West Indies got 269 as a save, and England fell 15 runs short despite 100 on debut from Michael Lum. Uh, but England bounced back like Alan Partridge to win the final two games. They had West Indies in early trouble again with the ball, and this time they finished the job, bowling them out for 159. Stephen Parry on debut, taking three for 32. Uh, they made it more difficult than they might have done in their chase, but Nerves of Steel, the Iceman Ravi Bopara, got them home with an unbeaten 38 to level the series. And then they won it in the third game. Batting first this time, Joe Root got 100, a maiden ODI 100, uh, and Joss Butler was out on 99, which was a bit tragic. They got 303 for six. 
West Indies were in early trouble once again, 80 for 5. Dinesh Ramdin blasted 128 off 109 deliveries uh, to give West Indies some hope and make things a bit more nervous than they might have been. But they were eventually all out for 278. Tim Bresden taking three wickets. And England won the game by 25 runs to win the series. Now, Tone, we've seen some pointless ODI series over the years. But was this the most pointless that we've ever seen? Was this the most pointless ODI series that there's ever been? Uh, you know, Post-Ashes, yeah, pre-World 2020. It was the world... It was England's T20 team. I mean, there are contenders, aren't there? There are other contenders, but this is pretty high up there. Uh, although they will play some T20 cricket eventually. Tonight. Well, well, now, yeah, there's going to be yeah. three T20s now. So, it's a little bit more So it's a bit more purposeful, as, yeah. as you would say. I mean, uh, it, yeah, the, the fact that it was a T20 team just made it a very bizarre experience. I mean, as I say, World Cricket Show super fan Michael Lunn got 100, but he probably won't play another ODI, I would imagine. No, uh, well, it's, it's actually a shame because him and uh, Moeen Ali... That they batted quite well together at the top of every innings. Well, it's possible that they'll think about that, but I'm sure Cook will come back into the team. And Lum is, you know, in his in his thirties. I just don't think they see him in their ODI plans. And actually, the whole thing had had a very weird feeling about it. it had the feeling of a bit of a schoolboy tour. I mean, possibly the presence of Joe Root <laughs> in the team uh, had a lot to do with that. But there just seemed to be a lot of clapping from the England boys. A lot of like, "Come on, lads." Bowl yeah. a wicket and things like that. It was yeah, it was it was an odd an odd series. But in spite of all that, pleased to see England getting back to winning ways. Well, you'd have to be first ODI series victory for a year. Well, I get the sense though that you know, do England or other teams really will they be planning and, and kind of planning for the future when it comes to ODIs now, rather than just you know when you have series like this, they may as well just throw it together aside. Almost like it's basically like an exhibition, isn't it? There's no what are they building towards? Well, the World Cup. Well, yes, in but, one year's time. But it's not. Like I, I just I don't know I don't I don't think that I think sides are going to struggle to as we move on and, and kind of time time wears on. Uh, you know we've seen it with England with the multiple captains and and that sort of thing. Well, the rotation. Yeah, uh, I just I think early eyes will become just a bit of a you know just throw together a side. Well, I mean I agree with you to an extent, but we've been talking about that for years. We've been expecting ODIs to be increasingly marginalised, and maybe it's happening slowly, but. You know, they're still around. <laughs> We've been talking about it for six or seven years and they're still around. You know, and it can be very exciting ODI cricket. The, these games weren't particularly. The third one was a little bit more. The, the pitch was pretty bad in Antigua, to be honest. Well, they um, played on the same pitch all three matches. Yeah, and it, so it, it really did slow and compared to pitches in the Caribbean in the past, it is very disappointing, you have to say. Also, I'm not sure that this West Indies side is all that strong. Um, in the ODIs, at least, they were missing some, some pretty key players like Chris Gale and Kyron Pollard as well, who will miss the T20s too. And some of their other key players seem to be a bit short of form, people like Marlon Samuels. But still, you know, a win is a win, and at this point, any win is very welcome for England. And it was good to see Josh Butler making runs, narrowly missing out on that uh, maiden 100. You know, when he first came into the England team, he was very much pegged as a T20 specialist, wasn't he? But looks like a proper batsman now and could well be knocking on the door of the test team this summer. Joe Root got his first ODI 100 as well. Uh, batting most of that innings with a broken thumb, which Stuart Broad hailed as brave. Uh, but was it actually a bit stupid, do you think, given that, you know... A bit pointless, really. Well, possibly, possibly made it worse. Certainly wouldn't have helped, and he's now been ruled out of the T20s and in all likelihood the world T20 as well. Possibly not the best idea that, that Little Joe's ever had. Given what these ODIs meant, uh, there's no real need to do that. But anyway, who are you backing for the T20s, Tone? The first one gets underway in about half an hour from in when minutes. we're recording this. So it would have happened by the time people are listening. 
It, it is, of course, England v West Indies, the two most recent winners of the World T20. I'm not sure either of them are going to be among the favourites for the, uh, the tournament that starts in a week, but but could be exciting. Yeah, uh, be, uh, yeah, it's good to good to see. You, you say I think Chris Gell is playing. He's playing the T20s. Yeah. He, he didn't play the ODIs. No, you really weren't listening to me, though, were you? No, you said he'll miss the T20s as well. Kyron Pollard will miss the T20s. Oh, he said Gell. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, with with, with Gale Force in there, anything could happen. Hurricane Chris, as they call him. Yeah, I don't, uh, prediction. I, just, I struggle to see England winning this, the the series. I'm going to go two one West Indies. Two one to the Windies. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I can't really go the same as you, so <laughs> I'll go two one England. Exciting. It is. I might. I'll probably watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must be exciting then if you're going to watch it. Yeah. Much like BBC Three, this episode of the World Cricket Show is about to be axed. Do you see that tone? BBC Three? Yeah. Well, it's going online. It's not quite being axed, but it's, yeah, it's not going to be on, on your television screen anymore. I wondered why, I, I did wonder why there was so much fuss about that. Yeah, well... Not, there's, not really, there's nothing on BBC Three. No, I don't know, Tony. This is a tragedy. This, this, the channel that's produced the likes of Little Britain and two pints of lager and a packet of crisps, you know, it's... What was the last thing you watched the- on BBC Three? <laughs> uh, I, nothing. I, nothing ever, I don't think. It's just it's another thing that just exposes people. I don't know. I don't know what quality it exposes, but anything gets cut, and people are oh, we must save this. Yeah, save BBC save Three. This. Hashtag save BBC Three. I'm, we're just to see people's reaction. We just like to say everything is cancelled. <laughs> everything, you know, anything you can think of will be cut, yeah. cancelled, axed, uh, and then just see see where that gets people. Then start again. Well, maybe we could try and fill the void. You know, people do yeah. seem to be very upset about the loss of BBC Three. You know, maybe we could try and make this show a bit more like a BBC Three comedy. Uh, we'll get Jack Whitehall in. We'll get James Corden in. We need to think of some catchphrases. Or we uh, could do... Uh... Maybe you could just sort of periodically just shout out like, Ooh, I'm a lady! <laughs> just every so often. Oh, but people will love it. People will love it. Or, They'll you know, the other thing BBC Three did a lot of is those kind of, is it like Sun, C and A&E and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah. So sun, could, sex and suspicious yeah. parents. So perhaps we could take this thing on tour <laughs> uh, and then get like kind of get family members just to, get, to get come. Get our mums to come yeah. as well. We'll pitch it. <laughs> uh, have you enjoyed yourself for uh, the Yeah, time? I'm going to go get some sleep, I think. I'm going to go and get some sleep, Mr. Bayfield. Mr. Bayfield to you, Tim. I'd appreciate it if you didn't forget who you're speaking to. <laughs> I'm uh, no, I'm going to hit the uh, hit the hay. I think <laughs> I'm absolutely shattered. You look pretty shattered. Yeah, well, still the, covered in burger grease. The kind of the foolish thing I think was playing football straight after pretty much getting off the plane. It's quite yeah. a stressful journey to the airport this morning as well. Because you were hungover. Because um, I was hungover and the, the trains weren't really running properly. Just picturing <laughs> you woke up surrounded by uh, five guys, rappers, and. Yeah. Uh, empty beer bottles and you realise you've only got an hour to get to the airport <gasps> oh god I had to do I had to do an actual run through the airport did you like Home Alone 2 uh, yeah you're it... trying to put the batteries in your talk boy <laughs> desperately I was I was legging it absolutely legging it nothing worse as well than getting off uh, the Gatwick Express or Gatwick you know or the Southern or whatever it was, wasn't the Gatwick Express today but any kind of train at Gatwick and there's bloody hundreds of people with their suitcases dawdling <laughs> up Oh, it's so frustrating. I don't think there's anything more annoying to me in the world than being stuck behind someone who's walking slowly and you can't get around. No, it's just... I, oh, I can't stand it. You'll know what I mean. There's a shop in town that Marks and Spencer's in town. 
that like I'll often go there on my lunch break to get a sandwich, and it's a re- stupid shop. They've actually changed it now, but it used to be like the the main bit where you come into. You then have to walk through like a really narrow corridor to get to the other side of the yeah, shop, like which is where they kept yeah. all the sandwiches. And people would just be like wandering through there, just like zigzagging from side to side aimlessly. <laughs> Drunk, probably. <laughs> yeah, pretty know. much. And I'd just be there going, come on! <laughs> yeah. I've only got an hour for lunch. This is taking too long. So frustrating. So if you'd seen me at Garrett today, I was literally hurdling suitcases. Uh, knocking people out of the way. Kind of Colin Jackson style. Just, I was flying at one point. Was that Tony Kerr from the World Cricket Show? <laughs> yeah. Why is he in such Bundling a hurry? People the, dropping the shoulder, <laughs> handing people off. People trying to get your autograph yeah. and you're just shoving them to the ground. Uh, so it was quite, yeah, it was quite stressful. Five guys, rappers, trailing out, out of your yeah, pocket. Stuck to my shoe. <laughs> uh, but I did make it in time. It was good. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm glad you made it. I'm sure yeah. the listeners are glad that you made it because yeah. you've been able to come here and deli- <laughs> deliver the weekly gold. Uh, next week, it's our World T20 preview, which is very exciting. And as we say, between now and then, set up your, uh, your fancy team and join our league. Join our league, which is uh, the pin is 38929. So there you go. There's prizes on offer. Mugs. You'd be a mug not to sign up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'll be back in a week's time. Between now and then, if you like the show, uh, there are all kinds of things that you can do about that. Send us an email, worldcreatureshow at gmail.com. Why are you talking like Robert Peston? <laughs> a financial <laughs> a services authority. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow us on the Twitter, twitter.com slash cricket show leave us a review on itunes we do really appreciate all of those because when people you know when they're looking for a new cricket podcast and they stumble across this one uh the positive reviews do really help to sell it to people uh and you can find all of this stuff on our website which is cricketshow.net we're gonna have a brand new website pretty soon there's gonna be a soft launch probably (laughs) of our new website there'll be some stuff it'll still be the same address cricketshow.net but it's, it's gonna be different it's gonna be better because uh, we set up this site, what, two, three, four years ago? As We were like, well, we'll just have that as a holding page for now while we think of something better. And it's yeah. still there. Oh, I've done a job. No, it's done a job. certainly done a job for us, but there's going to be more on it. I might even start blogging, Tone. Wow. You heard of blogging? Scary. Web logging, it's called. Yeah. Uh, right, well, yeah, that's it. Stay in school, everybody. See you next time, guys. Bye for now. Cheery. Can smell your fear. What I'm going to suggest is that we set up a Snapchat account, World Cricket Show Snapchat account, which people can Snapchat cricketers into us. <laughs> That's quite a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps you should cut this and we'll do a reveal of it. We'll do. That could be our competition. What could be our competition? Best Snapchat with a cricketer. Yeah. Will people do it, though? That's a good idea. A well, I'll do it. <laughs> it's a good idea. It's a great <laughs> idea that I've had. It's a really good idea for me. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.